the other part too is sharing in your own life when your worries show up. Kids don't see us working through our everyday struggles to manage things. You know, we as adults go through anxiety all the time and trying to figure out how to work through that. We can tell our kids, gosh, I have a presentation at work and my worries are showing up because I want to do a really good job. I know my worries are telling me that this is important to me and I I want to do a good job. So here's some of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my clothes out the night before so I know what I'm going to wear and I'm going to plan my breakfast tomorrow. And I'm even going to think about what route I'm going to take to work. So then I just know what's to be expected. Um, So sharing that with your kids. Yeah, my worries show up too sometimes and this is how I deal with them. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Today's episode of Raising Adults is brought to you by the Homeschool Buyers Co-op, which is the largest buyers club for homeschoolers in the country. It's run by homeschoolers who have a love for family and a deep commitment to homeschooling. And what the Homeschool Buyers Co-op does is give families the purchasing power of school districts, which means that you get 10 to 90% off of curriculum. Plus, registration is free, and they have a ton of free resources available as well. They also have a smart points reward system, so the more you buy, the more you earn. And if you register for your free account with our referral code, which is ADULTS, A-D-U-L-T-S, you will get 5,000 smart points right away, which basically gives you $5 to spend on the site immediately. So register for your free account today and use our referral code, ADULTS, by going to homeschoolbuyersco-op.org. That's homeschoolbuyersco-op.org. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Raising Adults. Today, we are kicking off our four-part series on mental health, where we're going to look at some of the big issues that kids deal with when we're talking about mental health. We've got an expert on with us every single week, and today's topic is all about anxiety which is huge. This is such a huge topic. Dina and I actually have a whole program online dedicated to this topic. And we are really excited that we have Buffy Curtin with us today to add to this conversation and to share with us from her experience some of the ways that parents can navigate this with their kids, spot it with their kids, and how to support them in the best possible ways. So I'm going to introduce her. I got to tell you, this is probably my favorite bio that we've ever received, and you're going to see why. So here we go. Buffy is a wellness coach and licensed mental health counselor associate based in Seattle. She has been working with youth and adults for over a decade and specializes in supporting emerging youth with transitioning into adulthood. Perfect for our show. She is a passionate advocate for integrating mental health and wellness in the workplace and in her spare time competes as a world-ranked professional kettlebell lifter. Buffy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us today. That is awesome. Yes, yes. Legit. I love kettlebell lifting. I can always put a plug in for that. Oh my gosh. It's like, <laughs> like, why wouldn't you be a kettlebell lifter? I love it. That's fantastic. Um, why not, right? <laughs> 
So we just always like to ha- have our guests start by just, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about you. How did you come to doing this work? Just tell our listeners a little more about who you are and and maybe a little bit about kettlebell lifting as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Buffy Curtin. I uh, am a licensed mental health counselor associate in the state of Washington. Also a very fast talker. So I have to be very thoughtful <laughs> about slowing down. Um, I grew up in Seattle, um, and so I've been living here most of my life. Um, I've got two kids, uh, two daughters. One is uh, almost eight, seven and a half, because the halves are very important right they now. Are, right. Um, yes. And I've got a five-year-old, and uh, and we are just kind of like in the midst of uh, the competition and the pinching and the um, the good stuff. But they're they're great. Um, <laughs> I've been working with kids most of my life, honestly. Um, When I was younger, I worked a lot in um, outdoor education. I used to work in summer camps with kids, um, both in Quebec and then in New Hampshire. And then when I finished college, I ended up getting a job with a family as their personal assistant. And so I managed all the uh, properties. I managed all their, uh, uh, so much of the business side. But then I happened to be working with this family that was going through a major transition. And so they were combining um, combining two families. There were some family dynamics that were a little tricky, but I, I fell in love with the kids and I just loved um, one in particular. I was just really close to and uh, he was kind of my buddy that was with me the majority of the time. But just the process of watching this family sort of try to merge together and like, you know, become step family and then family. And then there was some adoption in that process too, um, was just really exciting for me. And I thought, you know, I like kind of doing the work I was doing, but I was sort of in this place where, um, you know, like what's next for me. And so I realized that I had a passion for working with kids. I was known that, but didn't think about what that would look like professionally. So I ended up going back to school and I got a, a master's in, in counseling from Seattle university. And, um, you know, I, uh, specialize, well, I specialized in school counseling, um, but, you know, a couple of years ago, I went back and finished the rest that I would need to do, which was just to take an exam um, to get my private practice license. Um, for the last six, seven, eight years, I've been working in schools with kids. I started working in high schools. I worked with students who were in dropout, dropout re-engagement. There's a school in Kent where we try to get kids back in um, to the system to get them to graduate from school. I worked with them and got really fascinated with resilience and about um, just how to get kids re-engaged. And then, um, and then I had my second child and wasn't fully ready to be back in the workforce full time. Um, and so I decided that I would kind of just try something different. And I ended up working in independent schools here in Seattle. And I kind of started out slow one day a week and then ended up back back at work full time. And then um, most recently I've, I've made the switch to, I work now um, as a wellness coach in, in corporate uh, America, <laughs> where I work with clients all the time who are trying to manage mental health in the workplace. So kind of just pushing myself right now in this, in this realm, but in general, my experience has all been with, with kids and families and, and adults supporting children. Oh, kettlebell. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. Um, right? Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I got into this thing a couple years ago uh, with Seattle Kettlebell Club. 
And, um, you know, we have a a huge team and it's amazing. And I've actually become really fascinated with, um, and the topic is anxiety today, how we can push our bodies physically to tap into that, um, that, that discomfort kettlebell is all about accepting discomfort and accepting, um, you know, that you, you're going to suffer a little bit. It's a very, uh, it's a, it's a sport that you suffer in pretty much. It's very challenging. And so, um, yeah, I, I ended up, um, just sort of finding six, some personal success in that. And, uh, was best in the world in 2018 in one of my categories. I have two pro rankings and, um, yeah, it's just a big part of my life. So that is so cool. I mean, seriously, I don't, I, I've never met anyone who does that at a competitive level. So super cool, Buffy. Well, we digress. We do need to talk about anxiety. So let's start at the beginning and maybe you can just start with defining anxiety for us. And I know an interest for Kira and I, because we hear this a lot from parents too, is how do we tell the difference between just a hard day or just some transient stress versus true anxiety? When I see it with kids, um, this can be a really tricky to, to note. I think the big difference is when you've got kids who worry. So the difference between worry and anxiety is anxiety is when you're going to get those physical manifestations of things. So, and this is hard to tell, right? Because the expectation is that kids are going to worry, right? Kids are going to worry about things. They're going to worry about things that they can't control. Um, but if you start really seeing like, um, Big ones would, for me, when it comes to anxiety, would be like school refusal. You know, if you have things where they're starting to, to act out, where they're starting to avoid things, um, that's when it starts to perk up for me. Um, and and a, a true big one for me would be school refusal. If a kid is like, I'm not going to school or I'm not going to go do this thing. And now with that said, I have a kid who used to do dance and she would say she wouldn't want to go to dance before we would go. She would go and she would be fine. You know, but it wasn't, I wasn't pulling her out of the car or dragging her or having to bring her in. I've seen this, that with kids where it can be really tricky in that way. Um, you know, if you're seeing uh, things like, you know, if they're uh, pulling hair, it's the physical manifestations that start to really show up or refusal or avoidance. That's when I start, you know, perking up and thinking something else is going on here. Um, excessive anger too can be something where I start to say, okay, you know, we're having some violent outbursts, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's tricky with kids because sometimes it is just worry. It's, it's the unknown. And we can talk a little bit more later about, you know, what we could try to do to remedy that. Um, but when you start seeing the, the big stuff, it's when I think it's time to start asking, okay, is there something else going on here? You know, what can I rule out at this point? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like worry is sort of just the thoughts, but the physical manifestation is when we start to say, okay, this is anxiety. This is beyond just our day-to-day worry. Yeah. 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 So what what are the causes for anxiety? Are, are there known causes, triggers? And at what point do parents need to start seeking out help? Oh, that's a big question. Um The big ones that I see that I have seen with kids and I want to be thoughtful too, right? Because, you know, being an expert on anything, you are the expert of your child. And sometimes that's helpful 
And sometimes it's not. Sometimes we get so enmeshed with our kids where it's hard for us to tell, you know, what's going on. My youngest daughter is, you know, she's, we're, she, we're very similar. So she has a tendency to like trigger stuff in me where I'm like, oh, I hate that thing in me. And now it's showing up in you. Um, and so it's, you know, your kids the best. And I want to be thoughtful and respectful of that. And there's times where even if we know them are the best, doesn't mean that we don't need to seek some outside support. Um, so thinking here of causes and, and triggers, it, it depends. You know, um, big shifts in families, divorce, um, death. Um, you know, I've had kids where the worries about, like we did a climate change uh, parade at school once and just the thought of like, this big thing's happening and I can't control it um, was a huge trigger. Um, you know, so it, I have, a, I have one of my kids is really fearful of, of throwing up. And so if somebody throws up, she's like shaking and, and panicking and, and like that, you know, I can't control that sort of thing. Um, so I think it's, you can watch your kids you can notice things that are happening. They start refusing to go to school or they start refusing activities or they're avoiding things. If they're, you know, doing things out of the norm for them, um, having accidents, um, you know, some things are normal, but I think if you in your gut think something is not right with my child right now, something just doesn't feel right. Please respect your gut as a parent to say, I'm going to go see what I can figure out about this. So when you start seeing your kids doing things to avoid physically, things are showing up, but also if you are like, something just doesn't seem right. Something seems off. You know, I always say it's better to go get, get some support, go ask for some help and be able to say, okay, I did the best I could than to wait a year because you're trying to silence that parent voice inside your head. That parent voice is the thing that saves your life and saves your kid's life. So if you feel like something's going on, you need to go follow up on it. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. That parent voice, right? And I know Dina and I both work with couples and families all the time that, you know, are they're holding off cuz it feels like you're starting something major when you go and get help. But it's that voice you got to listen to that because otherwise you get so far down the pipeline that now we're like unraveling and unpacking everything um instead yeah. of getting that early intervention. So I think that's well yeah. And I think too, it's, it's so easy to, I mean, we could Google ourselves to death, right? We could just be in searching all day long to try to figure something out. And, you know, I just, I want, I think when I'm working with parents, when I'm working with adults or supporting kids so many times, it's like, well, let's go back to what does your gut say about this situation? What does this feel right? Like right now, you know, we can really argue ourselves into whatever beliefs we want to, but if we're not, if we're not trusting our own parent voice, you know, that's where it's, it gets tricky. You know, we've got to be able to trust ourselves and to, to act on those, those thoughts and beliefs. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break to talk about some fun stuff, and then we will be back with some more questions for Buffy. Well, we are really excited to talk to you about something brand new that we're offering at Future Focus Parenting, and that is the ability to become a member. And really, we want to welcome you into the Future Focus Parenting family, and we now have a way for you to do that. So we're offering membership. And this is so exciting because it allows you a way to really connect more and enables you to get some awesome free resources. So there are three tiers, and the first is really just a way to support the show and 
kind of to say thank you. If you're valuing the content and enjoying it, and if you feel like what you're getting with the podcast and what we do here is worth a cup of coffee a month, literally, then that first tier is for you. And if you want more bang for your buck, then we have two more tiers that's going to give you a whole bunch of cool stuff. So our second tier, which is the all-access tier, gives you exclusive access to our Future Focused in 5 video and audio library. This is something brand new that we're rolling out, and it is only for our members. So it's pretty cool. It's a series of videos. They are five minutes or less talking about all the different things that we talk about here at Future Focus Parenting, but doing it in like a one-stop shop where you can just get in, get the information you need, get your quick tips, walk away knowing exactly what to do on that particular topic in five minutes or less. And you can watch the videos or listen to audio. Plus, you also get 50% off of all of our online stuff. So our courses, our workbooks, our printables, everything 50% off if you become an all-access member. But if you want even more, you can become a VIP member. And at that level, not only do you get everything I just said, plus a shout out on the show and the exclusive access to the Future Focused in 5 library, but you also get a coaching call with us every single month. We are going to hop on with all of our VIP members and do a Q&A session once a month. That's like just getting parent coaching once a month. Whatever you need, whatever you want, we're going to answer your questions, and that's included at that VIP level. Plus, at the VIP level, you get all of our online resources for free. You don't have to pay for any of our courses. You don't have to pay for the printables. It's all yours just for being a VIP member. So if you're interested in becoming a member of the FFP family, even if you just want to show support for the show, we would be so incredibly grateful to you. You can visit patreon.com slash FFP. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash F-F-P or go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com and click on membership. We are so excited to welcome you to the F-F-P family. So Buffy, once maybe a family has determined that they maybe want to seek some outside help or just at least get some support, what would you say that quality help for anxiety looks like? What, what should it maybe include? And kind of along that line, in order to get that quality support, how how do parents go about getting support that isn't just short term or just getting slapped with a quick diagnosis and not having follow up? Yeah, this is a great this is a great question. Um, I have some personal and professional beliefs about what good support is for kids. I mean, we're talking about little kids; they should be in play therapy. Um, sorry, should is the wrong word, but they, that is, that's going to be an approach that works well for them. Um, they don't have the words to talk about things that are frustrating or hard for them. Okay. So like, they're going to express themselves, whether it's through art therapy, whether it's through sand, sand tray, whether it's through, um, you know, activities or games that they played. Um, you know, I have, I have a daughter and we did play therapy, um, for a year and uh, that experience was transformative for me as a professional. Um, I tell people all the time, um, people think that I know what, what, I, what should happen with kids or with my own kids, right? But I can tell other people and support them and their children. But when it comes to my own kids, it's like, oh, wow, this is like another layer deeper, right? Because there's my own things that I get caught up in. Um, and so going and seeking out support for her through play therapy and really just watching that experience. You know, you have a professional who, um, you know, knows how to work with kids in that, in that, in that age range, just really powerful, just 
you know, the things that we could get from that experience were just eye-opening to me, you know, how she would take the, the toys out and play with them. My daughter would like to organize all of the toys before she would play with them. You know, watching her vie for power and control was really interesting. Um, so you want, you want a therapist that you feel confident about. So whether that's play therapy, you know, whether you're just working closely with a pediatrician, maybe um, if you decide to go down the route of med medication, um, you know, getting a good educational psych uh, evaluation so that you feel like you are able to get the interventions and steps in that you feel comfortable with it. Um, ask questions. And, and I say this all the time. If you, especially if you uh, have a kid that needs like a 504, which would be um, like an accommodation within their school, you know, be part of that team and ask those questions and, you know, seek out the answers that, that you need in order to feel like they're being supported. Um, I think it's just feeling heard and listened to as a parent. And, you know, you can get a quick diagnosis, but I tell people this all the time when I work with kids, a diagnosis is a starting place. A diagnosis is not the end point. So where you go with a diagnosis, what interventions you choose, and then making sure you're clear on how are we measuring success with this child moving forward? You know, what's that going to look like? How do I know that the treatment is working and how can you show that to me? Those are the things you really want to make sure that you, you are involved in. But just as a parent, feel heard and seen by your child's provider. You are your child's expert. So making sure that you are involved in all of those decisions. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about at home, because I think one of the things that parents really struggle with is that, you know, the support that their child is getting is maybe once a week, twice a week. And then the rest of the time, it's the parent who's there supporting and navigating the anxiety and the feelings. So I'm curious your thoughts on how do the loved ones around them best support a child or a teen who's dealing with anxiety? And along that same line, what are the things that they should avoid doing? Because I know it's something that Dina and I talk about all the time. Like, what are the common mistakes? Because if parents kind of know what not to do, sometimes that's even more powerful than knowing what to do. Yeah, absolutely. So anxiety with kids, I, I often uh, refer back to uh, Lynn Lyons, who you know wrote a book, Anxious, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. Um, she talks about anxiety being that, um, like, such and such is going to happen, dot, 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 and I can't handle it. So it's talking to your kids about how can they handle the situations when they arise and how do we move away from avoiding them? I think as a parent, it's so challenging to let your kids struggle. Like, I know this as a parent. I've seen this with other parents. It's so hard to watch your kids struggle. So when they're struggling, we have that tendency to say, well, let's just avoid everything. And so this isn't going to be a problem anymore. You know, how do I eliminate, um, you know, I can give an example for my older daughter. How do I, you know, eliminate movies or parts of movies where I know somebody's going to get sick in them? Okay. In, in the end, that's not going to serve her. She has to be safely supported in being exposed to those things. Um, so again, really easy as a parent to say, well, I know my kid doesn't like this, so we're going to stop doing it. And that's going to, in the end, sort of make it way more challenging for them to work through it. 
I like to see being with our kids until they're, you know, however old. The gift of that is that we get to support them through those hard times. We get to say, you know, it's it's normal for our kids to experience a wide variety of emotions. It is expected that they will be sad and hurt and angry and frustrated and happy. It's our jobs to sit with them and while they go through all of those feelings and say, yep, this is tough. I hear you. We're going to get through this together. And so much with anxiety is, is that idea of we, we're going to get through this. I've got you. We'll get through that tough thing that's going to happen. Um, so a big common mistake, I think, is to, to avoid anything that makes your child anxious. And it's not about you do not have to be the one who's constantly exposing, but um, but it's also not avoiding it. Hey, let's get through this together. Um, you know, another one, too, is that idea that you can externalize your worries. So, for example, when I work with kids and, and I can tell that they're they're getting really anxious or worked up, it's that idea of how oh, your worries are showing up right now. It's taking the worries and sort of talking about it like it's the other person in the room. And sometimes I'll have kids um, say things like, well, should we talk to your worries right now? Like, what do you want to say to them? Should we tell them to go away? Um, And so talking about, uh, you know, we've I've done this lots of times with kids where sometimes they don't know what to say to the worry. So I can tell something's going on. Worries are showing up. Let's talk to your worry. And they say, well, I don't know what to say. So I'll say things like, well, would you like me to talk to your worries? And they're like, sure. And so I'll say, you know, Hey, worries. I know you're here right now, but like, we're trying to have a really good time at this birthday party and you're making it hard for me to enjoy it. And so sometimes talking to the worry, naming the worry, if you have older kids, they can write to the worry, you know, taking it and making it into something that they can have conversations about. Um, The other part too, is sharing in your own life. When your worries show up, kids don't see us working through our everyday struggles to manage things. You know, we as adults go through anxiety all the time and trying to figure out how to work through that. We can tell our kids, gosh, I have a presentation at work and my worries are showing up because I want to do a really good job. I know my worries are telling me that this is important to me and I I want to do a good job. So here's some of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to lay my clothes out the night before. So I know what I'm going to wear and I'm going to plan my breakfast tomorrow. And I'm even going to think about what route I'm going to take to work. So then I just know what's to be expected. Um, So sharing that with your kids. Yeah, my worries show up too sometimes. And this is how I deal with them. My kids know it's hard for me to sleep when I'm not at home. So I say, oh, my worries show up when I sleep somewhere else. So I bring my special music and I listen to it and it helps me. So sharing with your kids, too, that, you know, we're all working through these things. We're all coming up with tools and techniques to manage those difficult times. Um, I think one of the last things I'll say that's helpful, too, is talking to your kids about what's expected. It is fully expected for worries to show up when you are getting ready to go on a trip somewhere or if you're going to a sleepover party in a friend's house. You know, talking to them about it's expected you're doing this new thing you've never done before. It's fully expected that you would have your worries show up. You know, let's talk about what worries are showing up and how can we brainstorm how to work through them. So, you know, sharing with your kids as you go throughout your day, normalizing worry and anxiety that 
worry and anxiety are part of our lives. They tell us what matters to us. They tell us what, you know, wants to keep us, um, you know, safe in some situations. So kind of talking to them about like, this is to be expected um, can be really helpful as well. I love that Buffy. And well, I'm sure, you know, Kira is our emotional intelligence guru. And so we talk all the time about the importance of that piece of empathy that normalizes things for our children. So I love that you mentioned that because when our children can see, oh, you know what? My parents also get worried about things. I'm not totally alone in this experience. That is so important. So, and thank you for giving specific examples of how you do that, explaining that you bring music when you're going to sleep away from home or things you might do if you're feeling a little nervous about a presentation the next day. Those tangible ways we can talk through, here's what I do to help. I just love that. So thank you for mentioning that normalization piece and being that example. I was thinking too, you know, that idea that uh, I think sometimes too, we as parents can be in such a, a, a rush. And this is, I do this all the time you know, where they, kids are getting worried and upset about something and you just want to be like, well, just don't feel that way. You know, that's, that's not a big deal. You know, that's another thing is it's sitting with them. There is nothing more powerful with kids than saying, wow, that sounds, that sounds scary. Or that sounds like it would give me some worries too. Or, oh, you're sound, you sound really worried or scared about that. Let's talk about that. You know, it can diminish the stress and anxiety around something, just acknowledging, you know, what they're feeling or thinking. You sound really sad. And so, you know, we can sort of go into that place of, oh, it's fine. Don't feel that way. Come on, we got to go. But taking that extra minute to just acknowledge, it sounds like there's something on your mind right now can be really, really powerful. I am nodding so vigorously right now. Like, I mean, it's amazing. You're, you're, you're just saying a lot of the same things that Dina and I say, and it's it's nice when professionals kind of do that, right? Where it's like, yes, this is a shared view and mentality on, on how to how to handle these things. I think it's awesome. And I was thinking as I was listening to you talk that, you know, one of the things I've noticed in my practice, and it's interesting you bring up emetophobia because, as you know, that's one of my specialties, and is anxiety is it's just always this bid for peace, right? It's like if I can worry about it, then I can mm-hmm. figure it out. And if I figure it out, then I can calm down and relax. And it, it, it like does this really twisty way of trying to get us, all of us, not just kids, to a place of peace. And what it does is actually create the opposite of peace. So even taking emetophobia, like you were talking about, you know, it's like if I, if I really stress about throwing up and if I really think about it and I really kind of like have a plan and I, and I, and I think and I think and I, and I worry and I worry, then I will figure out that I'm going to be okay. And mm-hmm. actually, the the key, right, is to help our kids and ourselves be okay either way. And yeah. that's the real peace. That's the real sense of calm that actually our brain wants for us. It just finds this, like, twisty way of trying to get us there that actually mm-hmm. undermines the goal. And and so, so much of what you've said of the acknowledgement of, you know, actually, that does sound kind of scary or actually that makes sense to me. It It helps create that sense of calm and peace immediately for anyone who's dealing with anxiety and and gets them to that place faster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, kids are thinking about a lot of stuff. I mean, they're, they're thinking about, um, you know, if they've had a loved loved one who's, who's died, they're thinking about, um, you know, what's happening with uh, coronavirus right now. We've been talking a lot about like germs in our house in a way. And, and I've sort of 
had to come back and say, you know, I'm not worried about this right now. Go ahead and take your worries and put them on me and mom will take care of those, you know, but having those conversations a lot around, you know, there's big concepts going on right now. Um, And so really being thoughtful that they're trying to grapple with things that they don't understand and we don't fully understand. And I think too, you know, um, really being careful about what we talk about with our kids. And I, I, I have, I have beliefs around how much we share with them. Kids can only handle so much. Um, I grew up in a, in a, a religious home to a point until a certain age. And so, you know, the book of revelations was super scary to me, right? Like that was what scared me is like the, the end, the end, what I thought, you know, would be the end of things. And so, you know, I would lay in bed and worry about that at night, you know, these big concepts that kids can't really understand, you know, there's a big virus out there and now we're, we're wearing masks and, you know, we're having worries about that. Um, we're adults and grappling with that. They're kids and they don't have the tools yet to figure out what that is. So really being thoughtful in your houses too about how much you share. Politically, same thing. I think that you want your kids to, you don't want to turn a blind eye. You want to be honest with them, but also being very careful about what they can absorb at at each developmental milestone Um, because they're just, they, they don't know. They're still figuring all this out and they're watching us constantly for how are we sorting this out ourselves? How are we responding in these situations? Um, so just, you know, keeping our own anxiety in check is a big one. How do I take care of myself as a parent? How do I take care of the things that are worrying or scaring me? Do I have a support system that I can call and rely upon? Because parenting, as you both know, is it's a, it's a, it's a beyond a marathon because a marathon ends mm-hmm. and this literally will not end until I'm gone, you know, because it's just, it be, they're your babies forever. So really being careful about that. Yeah, so, so true. We talk frequently about that communication piece. We love communication with kids, of course, but about keeping it really, keeping it really age appropriate and careful about how much we share. Cause they, you're right. They're looking to us too, as kind of the barometer, like how worried should I be? What are my parents acting like? And it's so, so true. I notice I even do that as an adult. I sometimes take my cues from those around me to decide how stressed out about something I should be. So with kids, extra essential. Thank you for saying that. And thank you actually for everything you've shared during this episode. It's really helpful. I know a lot of parents are probably navigating this in a whole new way just because of the season we're in. And so it it kind of maybe comes a little bit more into focus and and rises to the top of our priority list in maybe a different way than it would have even a few months ago. So thank you so much for sharing. And if our listeners want to learn more or maybe are interested in working with you, can you tell us how to find you? Maybe a good website or email or social media if you do that. How can we get in touch? Uh, yeah, you could you can email me. Um, I have suspended my private practice as of now uh, because I've, I've really been focused. There, I have limits. I'm learning this, that there mm-hmm. are limits to what can be done during a global pandemic when you are homeschooling <laughs> your children. Yes. It's, it's yeah. What? I don't know if anyone. That's madness. Right. You don't That's say. Madness. <laughs> right. It's it's crazy. You know, working from home and, and you know, taking care of kids. It, it takes time. I've learned. Um, you can always send me an email. Uh, my email is Buffy, B-U-F-F-Y. Curtin, C-U-R-T-I-N at gmail.com. 
Um, I'm working on getting a few things put together um, for my private practice, but I've been, as I said, really focused in, in corporate wellness right now where it's been really powerful to see the impact of how you support people in the workplace. Um, so we've got a lot of parents handling a lot of things right now. And so that's been really interesting work. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, Buffy, thank you so much for being with us today and for bringing your expertise to the table. Just an absolute pleasure having you with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for having these conversations. You know, if we could just build more community around how to, how to support each other through parenthood, you know, the more the better. So thanks so much. Well, everyone, I hope you found that conversation helpful. I know that we did. And um, we just want to remind you that we have an entire program dedicated to anxiety. And if you're interested, you can go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. Click on online resources, and that will take you to all of our online stuff. And in there is our online programs. And we have an entire course dedicated to anxiety, kind of to help parents understand it better, but also to arm them with tools. It is a course that's very tool heavy. And here's how you can teach your kids different ways to cope with their anxiety and here's ways to spot it and here's ways to engage. Buffy offered some great stuff today and if you want to expand on that, that program is a great way to go. And don't forget, if you become a member of the FFP family, uh, you might even get access to that program completely for free or for 50% off depending on what level you choose. So be sure to check out our membership program. Everything's available on our website and we thank you so much for being with us today. Next week, we have part two of our mental health series. We've got uh, Amy Crow on the show talking about kids and body image. It is a fantastic episode. You do not want to miss it. So be sure to join us next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room and partially in Dina's office. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.